You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisentraff on WCPT 820. Welcome back. A little after 2.30 here in the upper Midwest. And I am joined now uh, by Chris Jones. Uh, he spent much of his career as a research engineer at the University of Iowa. He is a an outdoorsman. He's one of the nation's experts on the upper Mississippi River ecosystem. He is the author of The Swine Republic, and that is a fabulous book that explains the damage being caused by Iowa's ag industry. Chris, welcome. Great. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. You have a double story to tell. One is the story of industrial agriculture and its impact on the environment. Um, to me, it, I, you know, I, I read your stuff. It's a 21st century update to Upton Sinclair's book, The Jungle, um, also about the food business. Um, uh-huh. and the, second sto- the second story is about our politics, how big ag and I guess the Republican Party have um, – uh, extended to the university system uh, their big arms and stood maybe between you and the telling of facts. So I'd love to explore both of those with you. Sure. So, yeah, I think it's no secret what's going on in the country with higher education and the <clears throat> public universities are facing increasing pressure from state legislatures, especially in Republican states, to you know, sort of limit what they say and what they talk about. And so that's um, the case here in Iowa as well. Um, And, you know, a big political issue here in Iowa is water quality. And, of course, we have people in the universities that are studying this and trying to make it better. And as a consequence, um, you know, there's people that don't want us talking publicly about it very much anyway. And so, yes, that's... That's the story of my career, at least towards the end of it. Well, talk to I me. Mean, talk about you know you set up a website, you set up a blog. You, you were going around, going to all these beautiful places and finding things and writing about them, and just talk about all of that and what happened. When I came over here to the University of Iowa in 2015, um, you know they encouraged the researchers to set up websites and I did that and uh, I had previously previously worked at Iowa Soybean Association so I had been on the ag side and I had also worked at the Des Moines Water Works which is a municipal water utility in Des Moines but when I came over here I set up my website I had done some writing for my previous jobs <clears throat> for general audiences and so I uh, started writing a blog and posting the um, the pieces, the essays on my website. And yes, some of them were interpreted to be pretty controversial and they spoke about water quality in a real honest way. And, you know, here in Iowa, you know, many of our streams are impaired. Um, We have 70,000 miles of streams and only 15 stream stretches are uh, meet all their designated uses under the clean water act. We have Mm. about 130 lakes, um, of course, every summer we have to endure the lakes, the beach lakes, the lake beach is being posted for E. coli and cyanobacteria because of pollution. And and so this is sort of a black eye, if you will, on 
um, establishment agriculture uh, here in Iowa. And, yeah, there's people that didn't like it, especially in the industry and the legislature, and finally came to a head uh, about three months ago. And what what does that mean? It came to a head. Well, two two of the two of the people in the legislature approached the uh, university lobbyist and said, "Look, um, you know, you can't be over here at the Capitol asking for money for these various programs when you allow this to go on. This being the blog, and and so um, you know, I knew that this was a possibility at some point that." somebody in the legislature would want to put an end to this. And I spoke with my boss about it. I agreed to write one more piece, a sort of a sayonara piece. And um, I did that. And um, they wanted it edited. The university wanted it edited because uh, I had implied in the piece that the two uh, legislatures had had pressured me to stop and they said, no, we don't want that in there. And so as a consequence, I just started thinking about this more seriously. I thought this was not a free speech issue. This was an ethics issue because I was being told I couldn't mention something that objectively happened. And I thought that really spoke to the integrity of the institution. And so I, I had intended to work one more year, but then I started thinking about it and just decided I didn't want to deal with this controversy anymore and decided to retire. So that is the story of the the end of my career there at the university. It's sort of heartbreaking for higher ed, for free free thought, for facts that, you know, and and shocking to think that, you know, uh, industry lobbyists, well, I'm sorry, legislators on behalf of industry lobbyists would come to the university and say, yeah, you know what? You're not getting any money if you continue to tell people that our our water has been fouled by, I don't know, what is it, by the way? What what is the source of the uh, enormous pollution? Is it pigs? Is it just uh, agricultural runoff? What's what's causing the problems? So I should say also that both of these legislators were farmers. <laughs> so there's that <laughs> component, too. And, uh, you know, in Iowa, we have a similar cropping system to Illinois in that, you know, it's dominated by corn and soybean rotation. And so much of our nutrient pollution, the nitrogen phosphorus, is from uh, production of row crops. But, you know, unlike Illinois, we have a very large a livestock industry. And so we have 25 million hogs. We're the top uh, hog producing state. We have 80 million uh, laying chickens. We're the top egg state. We have 4 billion, uh, 4 million uh, beef cattle. So we have a large beef industry. Um, we have uh, 5 million turkeys. We have a sizable dairy industry with 200, uh, 220,000 dairy cattle. And so you know, we have this added uh, burden onto the water, not just to the row crop production, but also all this livestock. And so we know in livestock dense watersheds, um, the water is the most degraded in these places uh, where we do have intense livestock production. And so that is the uh, story of our pollution here in Iowa and our streams. I read one sentence that you wrote and nearly lost my mind. 
um, and it was this one. We're polluting water at a continental scale. Iowa occupies 4.5% of the land area in the Mississippi Basin, but contributes 29% of the nitrate and 15% of the phosphorus polluting the Gulf of Mexico. What we do here is impacting water quality 1,500 miles away. Yeah, and so I always say, you know, hey, if we're killing off part of an ocean, you know, 1,500 miles away, that's a sign we're doing something wrong. And, you know, even more uh, sort of astounding is uh, when you look at our contribution to the Missouri River, um, the Missouri River Basin is huge, goes all the way to the Continental Divide. Um, we have 3.3%. Yeah, we have 3.3% of the land in the Missouri Basin. And we contribute 55% of the nitrate in the Missouri River. And so, you know, the Missouri River would have almost no nitrate were it not for Iowa. And so we've got severe problems here. And, you know, my point in writing the essays and talking about this is, um, you know, if we're going to solve this, we got to speak honestly about it. And um, the people deserve to hear what the researchers and the other public employees say behind closed doors about this. And so that was my approach. Chris, I, I mean, I guess the world cuts you some cuts Iowa some slack on this because you feed everybody. Right. I mean, this is a, this, an enormous source of food for every, everyone. But is there a, is there a way to to be in these industries uh, and be cleaner? And I'm just thinking back, you know, in, in 1960s and 70s, GM said there was no way to have a cleaner car, a cleaner, safer car. And of course, when Congress said, no, you have to have cleaner, safer cars, they made them cleaner and safer. So there, there was a way. Yeah. Is there a way to yeah, be so, in the livestock yeah. business and have it be cleaner? So firstly, we don't feed the world. That is a, a line from agriculture. And what we do is we put, produce protein for the world's wealthy people. And then we produce very good uh, corn for, for ethanol. And so about 60% of the corn here in Iowa goes to produce fuel ethanol. We have an area of land, 20% of our state, and it might be similar in Illinois, 20% of our state uh, goes to produce corn for ethanol. And so the idea that we feed the world is really um, not correct. You know, is there a way to produce it um, more in a more environmentally sound um, way? Of course there is. And so there's lots of things that farmers can do uh, that can reduce the pollution, but, you know, we don't regulate any of it, and we really rely on the altruistic instincts of farmers to do things. And, you know, this is big business now. I mean, many of these farmers, I mean, they have, you know, net worths of millions of dollars in land and equipment and so forth, and I mean, this is big, big business, and to think that they are going to modify their operations just based on their altruistic instincts, I think, is a fantasy. No, it was a fantasy to think GM would build safer cars in the 1960s, but they were forced to do so. Yeah, of course, and so, you know, what we do is when when we make a law, when we make the owner of a land responsible for the pollution— then, of course, they need to get creative, um, right? And so they need to get creative and figure out how they can 
do what they're doing and produce better environmental outcomes. And we don't require them to do that. And I think, you know, we know laws would work. We know in the 1985 Farm Bill, we had conservation compliance. And so any farmers that were farming on highly erodible land were required to have a soil conservation plan. Well, we know that that reduced erosion almost immediately. And we know that it improved the clarity of Iowa streams. And so um, would regulations work? Of course they would. And the um, industry, in my mind, doesn't want regulation because as soon as we have regulation and the public sees that it's working, then they're going to want more. Well, uh, the legislature in Iowa is undoing, uh, either imposing bizarre regulation on or undoing it entirely um, along the lines that we see in, you know, they're sort of trying to follow Florida. And your governor is sort of following the, whatever Ron DeSantis does, she does pretty soon yeah. after, whether it's dismantling public education or all this environmental stuff or child labor laws. Um, it's a it's a it's very sad to see. Um, wh- what do you think the impact of the Supreme Court's recent decision to limit uh, the effects of the Clean Water Act to limit the definition of wetlands? What will that mean to yeah. Iowa? Well, that is a sad uh, deal for sure. Uh, how much will it f- affect Iowa? I don't know that it will affect. It this much because we drained all our wetlands and so we only have i think 0.01 percent of our wetland area that remains and so there's not many wetlands here to protect um you know the um republican party here used that as a you know a talking point that um epa was going to come in and regulate the water and tire tracks on the farms and you know absurd things like that You know, regulation of agricultural water quality was never in risk from WOTUS. There were always exemptions from the start for agriculture. And so the idea that this WOTUS was a big boogeyman was uh, just, you know, not true. And I don't think it'll have really that much effect here in Iowa, but in other parts of the country where they're still draining wetlands, like the Dakotas, for example, um, it indeed could have some dire consequences for um, habitat and and wetland eco- and the wetland ecosystem. Well, um, you're not painting a happy picture. Um, talk a little bit about your book, uh, The Swine Republic, and, and where people can get it, and, um, mm-hmm. and and the story that it tells. Well, the book is a collection of essays. Uh, There's also a longer beginning chapter and a longer ending chapter. The beginning chapter gives a history of how, a history of Iowa agriculture and how it was manifested in our water quality here. The ending chapter is, uh, includes my ideas for, you know, moving forward and improving um, the system and, so the book is for sale. I'm told about everywhere now. I know that um, he was having a hard time getting um, <laughs> books out because it was selling so fast. I, I had a hard time. But I know Barnes and because it's back ordered. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so I know Barnes and Noble has it now, and all the bookstores in Iowa have it. I don't, I can't speak to Illinois, but I know Barnes and Noble is carrying it, and Amazon has had it up there for quite a while. I looked at Amazon last night, and it said there were none available. I know that some books have been sent to Amazon, but I don't really know how many. But the book is selling quite well, yes. Yeah, it's a real problem for an author when, when his book sells so faster than you can print it. <laughs> I guess so, uh, um, but it's it's better than the uh, alternative, I guess. Yeah, a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and you've gone on, and, and the, the reception, have you um, had a chance, like the people who didn't want you to write the blog, right? Now, the, the, the they now see that you got a book that is, you know, running away. What's been the reception at home to the book? Well, I think, you know, the re- reception has been very positive. I think, you know, the people on the, like I said, the ag establishment, the political establishment have been, you know, somewhat quiet about it. I think the people that um, have bought it and read it have been, you know, very pleased with it. And so, um, you know, I think the title is obviously provocative. I, I think, you know, there's some probably some discomfort with the title. Um, and, um you know, I doubt if many of these farmer legislators are buying it, reading it, <laughs> but I don't, I don't worry about that. Yeah. Well, um, are there issues that are, uh, you know, before the legislature that you care about or, or is, you know, there's just no, no reason to pay attention. Well, in this particular for water quality, I, I don't hold out much hope that the legislature is going to act. And I should say here that Democrats in Iowa have been largely complicit with this. And and so, you know, Republicans are at least honest about what they want and don't want when it comes to mm-hmm. water. I think there's many Democrats that, you know, have been um, – Looked, have looked favorably upon agriculture and have not been eager to regulate it. And I, I know that to be true. And, um, you know, we have a lot of um, absentee landlords of farmland here in Iowa. And, you know, this land is owned by everybody, right? Republicans and Democrats alike. And not yeah. very many people that own farmland want to have the pollution from that land regulated. And so I think, you know, for this to get better, it's got to happen at the local level. And so when people ask me what can they do, I tell them, look, go to county supervisor meetings, go to city council meetings and agitate for clean water. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Howard Zinn. I read his books. I And, you know, one thing you take away from his writing is that big change in the United States happens from the grassroots. It does not every happen time. from above. Every, nope, time. every time. And so, every time. <laughs> and so, so you're saying to people, this, look, the river where you live is a mess. You want it to be clean. You want to be able to go down to it. You might want to fish. You can't do it. Go to your county board. Exactly. And, Very you know, um, and I think that's at least where we have to start. I think 
to hope that the legislature is going to, uh, you know, confront this effectively is really also a fantasy. Um, yeah. You know, when Democrats have been in power, they have not addressed this effectively at all. And so I, I really think and the, the big thing that has to happen in my estimation, is ethanol has got to die. We've got to get rid of fuel ethanol. We know that it does not produce a greenhouse gas uh, benefit uh, versus regular gasoline, pure gasoline. Um, We've got all this land and crop production to produce ethanol. We need diversity on our farms. We need more Mm -hmm. crops. And to get that, we, we need to get rid of ethanol and then force farmers into um, developing alternative cropping systems. And as I always say, we need a food system that's designed for human nutrition and for environmental outcomes. And we don't have that. We have a food system that's designed for commerce. And so we need to do the first thing. That's such an important distinction. Chris, I remember when I learned that ethanol was not you know, good for the environment because you know, here I am in Chicago and I'm waiting around for the season where, oh, we have this problem in our atmosphere. This is the season I'm supposed to use ethanol because it's better for the atmosphere. And for years I did it. And then I learned I was being lied to and I was furious. It's just a way to absorb uh, all this corn these guys yeah. produce. And so we yeah. produce so much corn, and we really need to unchain ourselves from the renewable fuel standard and fuel ethanol. Yeah. All right, I have a different, one more line of questions here in the time we have. Okay. Everywhere else in the world, particularly like in a city like Chicago, where we have environmental impacts, they disproportionately impact uh, communities of color or communities just that aren't economically powerful. Is that, is that also true in a big rural world like Iowa? So it is true. And so, you know, we don't have um, a lot of people of color in Iowa, but, you know, in general, they live in the cities and the cities are downstream from the farm production. And so, you know, with consolidation in agriculture, we're down to about 80,000 farmers in Iowa and really probably only about 20,000 of them farm full time in a way where they earn all their income from farming. And so, you know, that's our landed gentry, right? That's a landed gentry yeah. that's living upstream from the cities. And in the cities we where we have our people of color and our low income people, uh, they have to endure and mitigate the pollution that's generated from the upstream landed gentry. And so this absolutely is a social justice issue. It definitely is. And we know that, you know, environmental justice is a thing. We know that um, that low-income people and people of color suffer more from pollution than the rest of us. And the other thing about... Um, rural Iowa, you know, a lot of these cities are declining in population mm-hmm. and and have been for quite some time. The population that's there is aged and there's not a lot of tax base. And so when a rural city has its water supply well contaminated with nitrate, that's a huge burden. That's a huge burden for a, a small town in rural Iowa to cope with that. 
you know, when we have Des Moines, uh, which has um, a nitrate issue in their drinking water, well, the city of Des Moines has the, the means to respond to that. But a small town, you know, out in rural Iowa oftentimes does not. And so absolutely this is a justice issue. <clears throat> and I'm guessing that when you raised that, it also did not uh, win you friends in high places. <laughs> I have. I had a guy from the, a Democrat in the legislature said, you can write about anything except environmental justice. He said, that's the only thing that will get you in trouble. And of course, being who I am, I, that uh, inspired me to write about it. And so, Yeah, you're not I, a shrinking uh, violet type, I can tell. No, no. I mean, you have to. You cannot. I mean, you have to stand up to these people. You just have to. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate your time today um, and your work. Uh, for all of you listening, the book is The Swine Republic. And uh, it is, you know, really interesting, really important and not, you know, I mean, I, you live in the city, you think the Swine Republic, you think about some politicians. That's really not what it's about. It's about agriculture and what it means, uh, uh, what it's what it's meant to Iowa and what it means really for everybody. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. All right. Very good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. All right. We're going to take a break for the news. And when we come back, I am joined by the celebrated columnist Clarence Page. We'll talk about that in a moment.